with us through this whole service, God, and that your words would make their way into our hearts and that they would make us more and more like you, God. We want to be changed today. We want to be made new. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. It's good to see you today. It's good to see you today. I am uh, I'm just I'm honored to be here with you guys. Um, when I was thinking about for the last two, three weeks, because we know quite a ways in advance when we're going to be up here, when it's going to be our next turn, um, I was thinking about my history, right? Because a lot of the time when we're up here, that's like, that's, that's my best way to communicate to you is out of something that I have experience with. And I was thinking about this. You fall into the trap sometimes because our church has grown so much in the last three years. Since, since COVID, it's, what is it, tripled, Pastor? Tripled. So that's a lot. And you, you, sometimes you'd fall into the, this trap of thinking people know things about you already just because some people do, but not everybody does. So a few years ago, I think I was 25. You can fact check me with my wife, Katie, because she will know I don't. But um, we, I was hospitalized. And this was following something that happened to me quite a long time ago where when I was like, I don't know, 16, we found out that there is a, um, a genetic mutation in, our, in my family tree um, that's for this, for lack of a better term, disease called Factor V Leiden, which is a blood clotting disorder. It's a, it's a genetic mutation that makes you uh, more likely to develop blood clots. So what they did was they asked all of us to everybody in that side of the family to go in and get tested for this. It's a simple lab test. And you can find out whether you have this or not. And you can have one gene or both genes. Okay? So I, I go in and get this test done, and I find out that um, I do have it, but the doctor tells me that I only have one gene. And I was like, is there anything I need to do? He's like, well, you can kind of take an aspirin a day if you want. It just makes you like eight times more likely to get a blood clot than somebody else, but you're pretty healthy, you're very active, you're super low risk, obviously, because I'm 16. Um, and, and so what, what happens after that is, you know, I kind of go through life, and, and for those of you that don't know my testimony, I had this history of competing in strength sports, and then I got involved in steroid use, and what do steroids do? They give you more red blood cells, which are what make clots, okay? So I get through that, right? Like I'm, <laughs> we're fast forwarding through a lot of it, but um, I get, I, I go through that portion of my life. I meet Jesus and my beautiful wife Katie, and I'm, I, I stop doing that. I get out of that life. I'm not about that life anymore. And when I'm like 25, I start to get this pain in my back, in my side, and it won't go away. It doesn't stop. And so eventually, I go to the doctor, because we're on vacation um, at the cabin for like five, six days. It was beautiful weather, and I was miserable the whole time. Um, it felt like somebody had put a, like a three-inch deck screw into my lower back. It just hurt. It just felt like this pressure. So I go into the doctor, and I'm like, it just hurts. It won't go away. And he kind of feels my stomach, and he's like, he says to me, Paul, um, we should we should probably get a scan done. There's kind of a mass here. Like, I'm not sure what's going on. We need to do a CT scan. 
I'm like, oh, great. You know, like, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he, like, prescribes a Miralax and tells me to go home, right? Like, I want the simple, easy, no matter how embarrassing. I just want to be fixed, and I want to move on. But he says that I need to go do this, so I do. And when I get home, he calls me, my doctor, from his personal cell phone. He says, Paul, you need to go to the ER, and you can't drive yourself. Great. That's wonderful news. Thank you for that. So then I have to tell my wife that, and you guys can all imagine about how well that goes. We have small children, so it's a total mess. It's like 8 o'clock at night now. But they get me in there, and I had bilateral iliac, which is just means down here, deep vein thrombosis. And come to find out that I had been having blood clots for a long time. My vena cava, the biggest part, the biggest, the biggest vein in your body, it's where everything from your lower body, everything that circulates down, it all comes back. It wise together into a great big vein that dumps into your heart so that your body can, can recirculate. And that's scarred completely shut. There's nothing left. That's why it started to back up down. But that scar was old. It was scar tissue. It wasn't, it wasn't fresh. This had been happening. My body had made little collateral veins that go around it over time because the flow had gotten worse and worse and worse. And I realized just this year, I don't know why this never occurred to me until then because it's been like eight years, but that God had been sustaining me when I was doing things that were making my affliction worse. He sustained me through even when I was far from him. But I remember going through that experience and, and having my daughters with me. I had two daughters at the time, and I remember they got to ride with me on the gurney. <laughs> and it was like a big deal. We're going through Abbott Hospital, and they're like waving, like they're on like a princess float. And there I am in that embarrassing, like, hospital, no backside, onesie thing, whatever, that's gown, I believe. I was a man in a gown. And I just remember going through that and not knowing at the time how the past had scarred me, how, how my history had scarred me and left me with less blood flow. And I want to talk to you today a lot. So hopefully you're not squeamish about blood, okay? And um, you can turn in your Bibles in Mark chapter to Mark chapter five, starting at verse 21, or you can look up at the screen because I sent Elena everything ahead of time. You know, we can get stuck. We can we can get bogged down. We all have long-term afflictions. We all have our own factor five. Does that make sense? We all have our thing that gets a hold of us. We've all had things in our past, and maybe that we're dealing with right now, that, are, that have a hold on us, or that seem to keep resurfacing. It's for some of us, it's family. For some of us, it's we can't hold a job. For some of us, it's an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction. It could, be, it could be pornography. It could be anger. It could be anything. But we all have these things that have a tendency to get a hold of us. They just grab us, and it's like we can't shake ourselves free from them. It's like you can't get it out of your system, and you just want to be done. 
Like, I just want this to be over. And maybe you've been trying for a long time to get rid of this thing that has its hooks in you. And maybe for you, like it was for me, maybe it is just a physical ailment and you just want to be done with it. Maybe it's family trauma. It could be so many things, but we all have something that has a hold on us, that keeps circling back, that we just can't get rid of, no matter how bad we want to. And maybe you've tried everything, but it doesn't seem to matter how many books you read. It doesn't seem to matter how many diets you try. It doesn't seem to matter what you do. It doesn't go away. And you know, those trying to kick addictions, trying to get rid of long-term afflictions is exhausting. It's tiring. It leaves you drained. It can leave you feeling like you have nothing left. It's like, is this ever going to go away? When do I get to be done with this? I've been a Christian for so long. How can I be dealing with this still? It's exhausting. And you know, I just want to address the elephant in the room. I know what you guys are thinking. You think I look ridiculous. <laughs> Sir, madam, you look ridiculous. <laughs> For everybody on the podcast, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt and we got two feet of snow a couple days ago, but maybe for you, your affliction is like this Hawaiian shirt, and it's easy to see, and it's easy for you to talk about, but for some of us, it's much more hidden than that. You're wearing Hawaiian socks. I don't know. You have, like, you, you're hiding your Hawaiian patterns. But for many of us, it's easy to see, it's obvious, and it's okay, it's like one of those things, it's an okay thing to talk about. But for some of you, it's something that you feel like you have to hide, that nobody can know about. But, everybody say but, we're not the first ones to struggle with something like this. You're not alone in struggling against something that's long-term, that's painful, that afflicts you, that causes damage, that makes you feel exhausted. You're not alone. And God has a prescription for you. I have to take a prescription every day, forever. I take something called warfarin. So um, no offense to the senior saints in the room, but it's like kind of an old person drug. Like it just honestly it is. I have to go to this clinic regularly, like every three to six weeks, and get my levels checked. And they get really mad at me because I'm a total delinquent because I'm 33 and have a job and four kids. So, but the other, the other medications didn't work for me. So just like I have a prescription, even though it's maybe not the most fun, I have a prescription for you too, right from God's word. All right, starting at chapter 5 and verse 21 in the Gospel of Mark. 
This is immediately following Jesus healing the demon-possessed man in the region of the Gerasenes, the guy who was running around in the tombs. Um, and he sent, you know, like this is like, this is so awesome. I love this chapter. All right, starting at verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the lo local synagogue. Everybody say leader. Everybody say important. And then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Jairus is, um, he's an important guy. He's kind of like a pastor of the local church, like, but there's like only one local church, right, for this area. That's the best modern equivalent. So this really important guy who's not really supposed to think very much of Jesus at all is desperate. And he comes and he falls at his feet and pleads fervently. Like he's kneeling in the dirt and begging. This is not normal. It's not normal. He's desperate. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. You ever done that? You ever tried everything? with what gets you, with what afflicts you, with what won't go away for you? You ever try everything? I have. I've tried everything. I'm a Christian now. So that means that I can grit my teeth and bear down and I'm going to beat this thing because I'm strong. Yeah, that's somewhere in the New Testament, right? No. No, sorry, it's not. It's not there. We don't get to grit our teeth. But we've done that. Tried everything. Tried everything. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. You know, there's nothing wrong with trying to better yourself. And there's nothing wrong with, with putting, in, putting in effort and trying and doing and, and, and putting, putting guidelines into your life and, and rules for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to talk to you today about the places where you've tried all that already. And it hasn't worked. Because there are th those things that it seems like we can't try our way out of. That we can't spend our way out of. We can't effort our way through. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Have you been there? 
where you've tried everything and now it's not just like the shame of the thing that you're dealing with or the pain of the thing that you're dealing with, but now it's I've tried everything and it still hasn't worked. Now it's what's wrong with me. Why does God hate me? Why am I still dealing with this? She had gotten no better, in fact. She had gotten worse. Those things, those, the, the self-help techniques, um, trying sins, because we try lots of doctors in life, right? You can try doctor entertainment. You can try doctor friends. You can try doctor family. You can try doctor money. You can try doctor job. You can try doctor drugs. You can try any doctor addiction. You can try doctor pornography. You can try whatever doctor you want. But every doctor will exact a great price from you and give you a product that's very poor. Because you don't need a doctor. You need a physician. You need the great physician. You don't need a doctor. You need the great physician. She had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. I know you can relate to that. She had heard about Jesus. You remember when you heard about Jesus? I remember when I heard about Jesus. That's such a wonderful thing to look back on. She'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Now, I'm not going to take us there, but if you want to do a little homework Bible study this week, you can go back to Leviticus chapter 15. And what you will find there is all the rules for someone who's literally just like her that says you can't touch anyone. You can't touch anyone. You can't touch anything. If she was to touch someone, they would be unclean. Not for like 20 minutes, for like seven days. If you sat where she sat, you would be unclean and you couldn't worship. You couldn't engage with your faith. You couldn't engage with God. If you touched something that she touched, if you sat where she sat, if she accidentally touched you, you're unclean because she's unclean. And she knows that she's unclean. This is not a, it's been 12 years. And it's easy for us to just, to just read by this and be like, wow, that's a cool story. But th there's so much pain. 12 years. If she has kids, she hasn't been able to hug her kids. If she has a husband, she can't kiss her husband. She can't hold his hand. She can't sit somewhere on a couch with him. They can't be near each other. She's ostracized. She's not welcome because nobody wants to be unclean. Nobody wants to associate with her. She either lives alone or lives in a community of other people where she everybody's unclean, so you can't, like, mess each other up. And for 12 years, I mean, think about that. Some of us have kids that are 8, 10, 12 years old. I mean, they're in college at that point. You've missed everything. That's like one-tenth of how long I plan for my relationship with my wife to be. 
We'd be married for 120 years. It's a long time, and it's not, it's not something that we can just take lightly. That's 12 years of suffering. And if you're old enough, you've been dealing with something for 12 years. bleeding. She'd suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. You know, I know we've already probably forgotten about Jairus, and I really do want to focus on the woman with the issue of blood, is what your King James Bible would say. She's just as desperate as he is. Her issues like this Hawaiian shirt, Everybody can see it. Everybody knows. You all think I'm crazy. Everybody thought she was unclean. She's desperate. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. You know, you may be expecting me to tell you about how hard you need to try and how you need to do more and be more and try harder and, you know, set up some sort of Spider-Man rig so you can swing from the ceiling and grab a hold of Jesus' robe. That's not, I don't want to tell you that you have to try hard because you don't. You don't have to chase down a physical robe hem. You don't have to try and touch the tassel of Jesus' cloak because he's right here. You don't have to look very far. And you don't have to push through a crowd. It says she came up behind him. She snuck up behind him because she knows that everybody knows and she doesn't want to be discovered. I imagine she probably covered her face so that no one would recognize her. And she does everything she can to get close and grab his robe because she knows that she can be made well. She's heard about other people that have been made well. And she wants that too. If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. She had to press through a crowd, a physical crowd. Uh, the word, I think in, in the book of, in one of them it says thronged. I think it's the King James Version. I don't want to get too far into the weeds. But when I was studying it, the word thronged, the, the amount of people around Jesus that she had to push through is the same word as choked when he's talking about the, the seed being choked out by the thorns in the parable of the scattering of the seed from the farmer. So it's not like a couple people. It's not like a little crowd or like, you know, like just like the Jesus groupies are just walking behind and there's kind of some of them there and it's kind of like she just had to weave a little bit. She had to press. She had to push through. She had to get through. 
And you don't have to push through a physical crowd, but you've got to push through some other things. There are things that want to choke Jesus out of your life. There are things that are crowding around him that are between you and him. What do you need to push through? What do you need to push aside? What do you have to be willing to touch even though it's uncomfortable and you haven't done it for 12 years? Can you imagine how scary this would be? If, every, if she gets fired, the penalty for her is really great if she gets discovered doing this. This is not a little thing. This is an act of great desperation. And just like she had to push through and risk everything, literally risk everything, she had to push through to get closer to Jesus and risking everything to do that, the uncomfortableness of it, the awkwardness of it, of I hope they don't know, I hope nobody sees. What are some things that you have to, that are getting in your way, that are in between you and Jesus that you have to brush up against and deal with the discomfort to get to the healing? You're bleeding. If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. She doesn't need a big miracle. She doesn't need circumstance and a big show. She thinks if I can just get, just get just a little bit, that's going to be enough. That'll be enough for me. She's humble and desperate. Immediately, verse 29, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? Do you think he didn't know? It's kind of weird. He's the God of the universe with us, Emmanuel. It's kind of bizarre that he's like, who, who did that? Because he clearly knows. I mean, if he is who he says he is, if he's capable of healing people by them touching the corner of the longest, dirtiest part of his cloak, Right? He should know. Why did he do that? Is it because he wants her to say something? Did my daughter just say no? Good answer. We study together a lot of mornings, she and I. She can't read, but uh, it's sinking in apparently. She sits on my lap a lot with the computer and the Bible. So why did he say that? Why does God ask you any questions? Why does God want you to tell him anything? Because he already knows. Of course he knows. He's the God of the universe. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. So not only does he already know about it, because he knows everything, but he was there when you did it. But he still wants you to tell him about it anyway because he's all-powerful and he can fix it. Why does he want you to tell him? Why? What's the angle? Why? Because he wants 
communicate. Because he wants to, he, he doesn't just want to fix your problems for you and be distant. That's why he came down. That's why Jesus is, is here. That's why this is recorded is because he came down. He came down to be with her, to be present with her, not be afar off and like, well, just do your sacrifice thing and then we'll call it even for this year. No, he wanted to be with her. He wanted to know her. He wants to know you. Not kind of, not at a distance, not where it's comfortable. He wants to know you. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to talk to you, even though he already knows. He doesn't need you to tell him the news. He wants you to. He wants to know who touched my robe. His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. That's where that word choked. I think it says, it's like they're thronging him is what King James says. Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched him? Like, everybody's touching you, Jesus. Like, there's like literally, like we've, we've walked 500 yards and literally hundreds of people have bumped into you in that. Like, I'm touching you. It was, was it me? Are you talking to me? I'm pretty sure I bumped into you a couple times. Sorry, Jesus. There's a difference between bumping into Jesus and touching him. There's a difference between bumping shoulders with Jesus when you come to church, like, oh, yeah, it was great service today, and really touching him, really grabbing a hold of the corner of his robe. There's a big difference between the two. And the big difference is this. One will change you and one will not. If you want to be changed, if you want to be set free, if you want your 12-year affliction to go away, to be subdued, to be controlled, to be put in a cage, then you can't just bump shoulders with Jesus and hope that it works out for the best. You need to pursue him. And it's not about effort, it's about heart posture. It's about saying, I am kneeling down in front of you. Please will you lay your hands on my daughter. If I can just get a hold of the corner of your robe, I know you're going to change me. There's a difference. And I want to encourage you today to not just bump shoulders with Jesus while you're here. Because this church is a wonderful church. Our pastors are wonderful pastors. And we are collectively pursuing Jesus. We're chasing after him because he is chasing after us. And I want you to know that today can be the last day. It doesn't have to be because nobody can make you chase Jesus, but it can be. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she'd been healed of her terrible condition. Who touched my robe? Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. I love this part. Everybody say, I love this part. I'm glad we can relate over this. This is good. Oops. But he kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. Can you imagine being set free 
from 12 years of isolation and shame and, and just a, literally cultural oppression. Like, <laughs> I, the gravity of the situation is that everyone she looks at looks at her with disgust. Everyone, except for other people that are unclean. And she is set free in a moment of time just like that. The, the, the Hawaiian shirt is just a regular old white shirt now. Like, how cool is that? That's way less embarrassing. I love this shirt. I wish I had more colors. I'm never going to stop. So, <laughs> Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out of him. And she realized at once, too. So she could feel her body change. Healings haven't stopped. Okay, I just feel like I need to say that. They haven't stopped. I don't know if you've ever taken part in one. I have been physically the person who laid hands on one person. And it is, like, you know. Like, you, you know. Me as the person who was praying for, the other, for the, this guy, like, I knew. I mean, my hands felt hot. Okay, it's not over. This isn't like, oh, that's a nice, I wish God still did that. He still does this. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees. If you go back to Leviticus 15, you know that she's like, where the heck am I going to find two turtle doves? I need two turtle doves right now or two young pigeons. We got to make this right. I got six days to go after today. Like I'm making a plan. I'm going to make apple crisp. I'm going to hug my kids. I'm going I'm 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 to start working at the loom again. I'm going to get to hug my husband again. I wonder if his hair is gray now or if he's bald or if he's gained 600 pounds. Like, I don't know what's going on. I can't wait to find out. Can you, can you imagine? She's trembling because of the realization of what's happening. I'm, I'm clean again. I can be clean. I can go to church. I can be with my family. I can have friends again. I don't have to live out here alone. She gets in front of him and told, she tells him, and told him what she had done. She's like, I'm really sorry, Jesus. I know I didn't ask. I know I didn't ask permission. did it anyway. And he said to her, I'm really disappointed in you. You didn't do this the right way. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not what it says. And he said, and he said to her, you, you, didn't, you didn't follow the proper steps and procedures. Are you, are you even in a life track class? Are you even, how many Bible studies have you done? 
And he said to her, daughter. Because he's more than just a man. We get to call him Abba Father. And he says, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You know what affliction does? It takes your peace. You know what addictions do? They rob you of your peace. You know what sin does? It, it, it steals your peace away from you. It takes it. Under the guise of being Dr. Pleasure or Dr. Entertainment or Dr. Friends, it takes that peace and it pays you in suffering instead. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You know, a couple times throughout this, I've said you're bleeding. Because we're all bleeding, sometimes. If you're not bleeding today, you will be. That's the only thing I can guarantee you. Bleeding is normal, right? Do we agree on that? Sometimes it's really easy to see somebody else bleeding. You ever had that happen to you? Raise your hand if you've ever had somebody say, oh, you're bleeding. I'm on blood thinner, so it happens frequently. Like, oh, you bumped your knee. You bumped your, you cut your finger. You did, oh, you're bleeding. There's blood coming off of you. Sometimes it's easy to see it on somebody else. Sometimes it's obvious and loud, like this fantastic shirt. But bleeding, while healthy, while normal, it has to stop. It has to stop eventually. 12 years is a long time. And I'm ready for you to be done bleeding. And I know a God that's ready for you to be done bleeding too. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. You know, maybe you're like the woman. And your need is obvious. Maybe. And you're desperate. And you're ready to be changed. But there's a second people group here. Maybe you're like Jairus. And everybody thinks that you're somebody. And that you don't have any issues because you're a really, really great liar. You're a really, really great hider. You're really good at pretending about keeping the strong face. But you're desperate too. You just have your coat zipped up. You're just covering it. You're just hiding it. But something precious to you is in trouble. 
only thing that these two people have in common. Their social status is different. One's very important, one's downcast. One's probably well off. I can't say wealthy because I don't know for sure. I haven't, you know, I haven't Googled the average salary of the first century synagogue leaders. I don't know. She has nothing. Literally, it says, literally, we know that. She spent everything she had. The only, two, the only thing that these two people have in common is that they're both desperate. Because your status does not exempt you from being desperate for Jesus. You need him just as much. And if you're ready to be done with bleeding, the antidote, the, the warfarin, the pill, what you need to take, what you need to do, is you need to realize your need. You need to get desperate with God. You need to grab hold of him. Not because he needs you to meet him halfway or to try really hard and be good enough. Because what should have happened with the woman who has the problem of bleeding is she should have made Jesus unclean. Because she touched him. She shouldn't have been anywhere near him. And what, when she grabbed his, that should have made him unclean. But Jesus is too strong for that. Jesus is too powerful for that. So what happens is the sickness, the ailment, the long-term suffering has no choice but to leave the woman in the presence of Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't have an option. She doesn't put in any effort. There's no program. She doesn't go through a preparation process. She just says, I know that if I can get close enough to Jesus, that I can be made whole, I can be fixed, I can be made new, he can heal me, he can make me right. And maybe what you've been dealing with is some sin problem that you're hiding from everyone. I don't know what you're dealing with, but what I do know is that he can make you whole. He can do it. We need to be desperate for him. Realize your need. Don't bump shoulders. Grab a hold of him. Be desperate because you're bleeding. Because you bleed, realize your need. In closing, we can stand. I need to be, I need to be done. I want to stay within my time limit. We're not so different from either of these two people. And everybody has an issue of blood. You're bleeding. Everybody has an issue. But about 2,000 years ago, there was this man His name was Jesus. And he went and died on this hill, on a cross. And he gave his blood 
so that you don't have to have an issue with yours anymore. He gave his blood so that you don't have to keep bleeding because the trying and the effort and the next thing, it's exhausting. It's making you anemic. You've bled too much for too long. And today is a day where you can be done. You're bleeding, but your bleeding can be over. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this word and this church.